From a hotel room on Post Street, and can you still believe it, San Francisco, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this very special part two of two GDC 2017 episode, Martha and I cover the back half of the conference as we decompress from a week in game dev Shangri-La, and we talk to Steven back home about the just-released Nintendo Switch. And so, everyone's ready. Let's start. All right, we're back for part two of our big GDC special. Woo! Wow. Part two. Okay, and uh, who do we have with us? We have Dylan again. Hello. And all the way from 2,000 miles away, Stephen McGregor. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) It's so cold here, guys. Uh, I just want to let you know. No. Return flight canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, get used to doing this every week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how's GDC? Oh, it's been so good. It's it's been awesome. I've had such a good time yeah. and learned so much stuff and met so many cool people. It's been awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. How about you, Mark? It's been exhausting. Like, yeah. In kind of, I, you know, I didn't. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm like exactly whelmed. I think. Okay. It's all over now, though. It's uh, yeah. it's now Friday afternoon. I just got out of my last session. Martha, you got out of your last session a bit ago. Mm-hmm. And Steven, you are a couple hours into Zelda? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I guess a couple hours. Like 10, you'd say? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we, we got our switches about uh, 10 or 8 in the morning. Uh-huh. We played, I played Zelda a little bit, and then we played some multiplayer games, and then I went back, back to Zelda. <laughs> my brother was insisting he wanted to play some multiplayer games. But, um, no! Yeah, uh, really, the Switch is, Switch is awesome. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's so, it's so good. Uh, the, it's just really amazing that I can play that kind of a game mm-hmm. on a portable device. Right. It's wonderful. It's <laughs> That's so I'm actually, awesome. I'm actually looking forward to tomorrow. I have to uh, bring my car <laughs> into the shop. I need to get a tune-up. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm looking forward to just being able to bring something. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. All, yeah. I, all I can think about is that I have a flight back tomorrow, and wouldn't it be nice? You know? Yeah, see, and I'm thinking I've got a couple yeah. hours to kill before my flight. Like, we could just, draw, you know, take an Uber around to all the targets around here and see if they have any. <laughs> it, it might be worth it, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, it's, uh, since we talked earlier in the week, Martha, you and I, we've done a ton of these sessions, went to a couple mm-hmm. of events, hung out with a bunch of people. Let's kind of walk through it a little bit. Like, what were the highlights yeah. for you? Um, well, I guess some of the second half, Highlights were uh, seeing the um, Civilization One talk, and Sid Meier was actually there, and that was really cool. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I got wow. it, it was so great. I got a picture with them. It was very nerdy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. It was great. Yeah, that was a um, classic games postmortem. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a little bit of a history lesson, but it was also a little bit deeper than you get on like a sort of normal behind the scenes kind of article or something. Yeah, that one was okay. Really fun. Yeah, yeah, that's and, awesome. And then right after that, there was another Civilization talk that was about the changes made from Civilization Five to Six. It was done by the lead designer of, of Civ Six, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, "Martha, you gonna stay for this?" And she's like, "No, I'm out. I liked Civ Five better." <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and then I, I, when I was hearing the talk, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I get it. Like <laughs> all the changes he described were all the things you said that like rubbed you the wrong way a little bit about Civ Six." So. Mm. totally made a lot of sense you're right to skip that one you might have just been like you know shaking with rage i would have been so much salt basically (laughs) yeah sodium content too high one of the other talks i saw was have you heard of the game abzu 
Abzu. Uh, that sounds familiar, but refresh my memory. It's like a underwater game where you're like swimming. Oh yeah, yeah. It yeah. looks so cool. And there was a talk on the um, the art of the game okay. um, and how they did it because they have so many fish in each scene. And I was like, Finjoy's fish. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the way they did it, in, instead of having skeletons in each of the fish like you would usually do for a uh, rigged 3D animation, they found that having skeletons in the fish was taking too much memory, so they could only put like 30 fish on the scene in the same time. And so they took the skeletons out and uh, they used like some of the stuff in Blender, Blender shapes or something like that to make the animations and so they were able to get uh, like hundreds of fish in each scene because they, each one took so much less uh, processing power. Huh. And oh, the, wow. Okay. And they got a lot of the behavior, like group behavior of the fish, like swirling around the diver and stuff like that, just from giving each individual fish uh, like one or two rules that they would follow. Like, oh, if you see another fish, like if another fish is this close to you, then do this behavior. Or if another fish is like over there, do this behavior. And just with those simple, like, easy-to-compute rules, they got the fish to do, like, realistic fish behavior, like swimming in oh, wow. schools and swirling around in circles and and huh. eat, eating each other and stuff like that. Oh, huh. wow. Shoot. Yeah. It's really That's cool. cool. That was yeah. a great talk. And it was funny because I ran into Tiffany. She's a local Minnesota 3D modeler and 3D artist. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, yeah, I went to that talk. And I, before they said that, I was like, I bet they use blender shapes. Oh, and they did. <laughs> I was like, <"That's> funny. <laughs> I was like, you actually know what they're talking about. Yeah. I was learning lots of new stuff. <laughs> so. On Wednesday, I went to a uh, talk uh, about remastering Day of the Tentacle and, oh, uh, yeah. and Grim Fandango, two classic uh, LucasArts games that were then uh, remastered and published by Double Fine. Uh, Tim Schafer uh, jams that I'm a big fan of. It was super interesting because they talked about wrapping up the uh, the original game engines, the the Scum engine that powered uh, Day of the Tentacle and um, uh, the Grime engine that covered that that powered uh, Grim Fandango. They talked about how little of the actual source assets they had, um, uncompiled source assets. So because Scum mm. was itself uh, a, an engine that ran script that powered many games, they actually were just able to sort of rebuild that engine and use the original data files for all the logic and stuff. Um, and then they fixed a couple bugs, but mostly it was just art asset replacement wow. uh, that they did for that. And that's what uh, enables the ability to swap back and forth between the different styles. So there have been similar remasters of like um, uh, Monkey Island and a couple of other classic scum games. And it was actually was, it was almost trivial for them to be able to just run both versions at the same time because it was all sort huh. of the same thing. Um, and that was really fantastic. And then they talked about Grim yeah. Fandango, which I, never, I didn't play when it came out, but I played the remastered a couple months ago and really liked it. Um, and they talked a little bit about how it had some real-time 3D and some pre-rendered backgrounds, and how utterly sort of unsalvageable it was, for, uh, even worse, because Scum Engine, like, it sort of, by the time Day of the Tentacle came out, it had been sort of proven, but this new engine they made for Grim Fandango was super buggy, it didn't make a lot of sense, and they had even fewer oh. of the assets, um, oh. including the rendered backgrounds, they didn't have the originals. So they had to, oh, no. they had to re- sort of re- sort of upscale them, but also... They wanted to improve the lighting of the real-time 3D as, as Manny walks through each scene, and they wanted to use the lighting from the pre-rendered scenes. Um, but they didn't know what that was. So they talked about this really great 
um, technique where they took the background and they, because what they had two things, they had the original 640 by uh, 480 backgrounds, and they also mm-hmm. had a, a like a depth map because that helped uh, know uh, what when Manny was walking behind something. They didn't ah. actually they didn't actually build a 3D like a like a, a mask of the room. They just literally used uh, referenced a bitmap that had a, just a, a gradient for depth. So they had this depth math. So what they did is they took each pixel of the original image and then they projected it out into a 3D space based on the, the light map, uh, the two-dimensional light map data. And so it made this sort of point cloud of, uh, of like pixels. Um, and then they just kind of took an artist's eye to it and then rebuilt where they thought the lights were in that and then, you know, for the remastered version. So like something that if they had the assets, they could have just re-rendered it and been done with it. Like, you know, found where the lights were and there you go. But uh, just they had to be really inventive and ingenious, um, but still trying to stay true to the original, like, original intent of the original artist, the styling, and the fact that in, like, 1997 or 98 when that game came out, like, there was so little they could do with the real-time 3D component, and they could do so much more now, but they tried to hold themselves back. That was really Hmm. interesting. Um, And, like, they talked a little bit about scope, and, like, that was more relevant to, I think, the devs in the audience about, like, you know, you have all these tools, but you don't have all the time or money, and so, like, even when you have something that's that it was going to get instant sales. Like when you don't have to worry about that part, you still have to like make compromises and hold yourself back, not just for mm-hmm. artistic reasons, but for practical reasons. And so that mm-hmm. was super like more, you know, I went to that cause I'm a huge day of the technical fan, but it ended up having a lot of really interesting practical knowledge that I liked a lot. That's cool. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. I went to a talk uh, or like a series of talks that I thought y- you, Steven would have really liked. Uh, maybe we can watch them on the vault together. Uh, it was called, um, Microtalks playing with our hearts, and one of the oh. yeah, and one of the one of the speakers was um, talking about story games, and uh, she was like, "You'd think that since I'm a narrative game person, I don't care about gameplay. Wrong. Gameplay <laughs> is story. <laughs> story is gameplay. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I was like, <laughs> dang, I wish I could have been there. <laughs> yeah, and she won a story award, didn't?" That was the that was the woman who made Lady Killer in a Bind, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. I, I saw her speak at like three or four different things. She was on a bunch of different panels, and like she's very engaging. And the thing about Lady Killer in a Bind is like it looks really cool. It's not up my alley at all, like because I don't really like visual novels, and like I don't like boy drama, like <laughs> in this case, girl, girl drama. And everything she said in every one of those talks was was interesting and relevant and inspiring. I really like that. Um, so Christine Love, Lo- Christine Love, yeah, that's yeah. her name. Um, I shouldn't, so that's the thing is like, even speakers names, I'm just forgetting. I'm forgetting yeah. everybody's names. <laughs> <laughs> Handing up business cards and just calling that it. Like, so yeah. <laughs> I'm retaining no information and everything's moving so quickly. Like I'm even looking through the, the list of sessions now to what to talk about in this very moment. And I'm like, wait, I don't remember any of this because <laughs> 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 it just blew by. You didn't have any second to process it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's how GDC is. It's, it's fast paced. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Were there any things that you wanted to talk about, Dylan? I left a lot of sessions halfway through. <laughs> did you? <laughs> uh, but no, the one I did go to that was really cool was I went to a talk by, um, I think he's an English academic named Stee Curran. Uh, and he did a talk. Look at you remembering a name. <laughs> well, I mean, I had less to pick from, so I have an advantage. <laughs> okay. Also, I thought it was, yeah, it really stood out to me. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Um, but yeah, he did a talk about it called Double Tap, which he's given before, which just, it was mostly, it wasn't a very GDC like 
uh, talk, I feel like, because it was very much just sort of a, like a, almost a meditation on violence in, in video games, and particularly guns in video games. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so he went through just uh, some personal experiences, like feeling al- alive in video games in a sense when, you know, when given this, like the power that comes with being, you know, a gun wielder and stuff like that. Um, but also looking at how it's uh, sort of a developer shorthand for uh, he made sort of his central theme was that games games ask questions and then give you a list of answers to sort of pick from hmm. and guns set up this very clean yes or no like very simple answer that you can give and so it's a very easy way to program a game because it's very scalable you know to go from you know can you hit one guy close can you hit two guys farther away is like this it, it scales in a very natural way oh, sure um, but yeah, and then just sort of he went into a lot of the reasons he thought that uh, the typical industry responses to criticisms of violence in video games were sort of not didn't hold water because he he made the point that like the reason that he's interested, you know, the reason why he develops games and the reason why he was originally a video games journalist uh, was because he felt like video games were different from things like books and movies. They engaged you in a different way. And so he felt mm-hmm. that the argument of, oh, people have been watching violent movies and that doesn't make people violent. He felt that there needs to be a better, like a more accountable answer from people who make video games, um, which was interesting. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I play a lot of violent, violent video games, so I can't say how, uh, well, how right. hypocritical I'm being for yeah. enjoying the talk, but it was a very good talk. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you're very... also a teddy bear, so... <laughs> 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 so that's a data point. Yeah. <laughs> It's super fascinating. Um, yeah, but yeah. it was definitely, it was not a very GDC-like talk because he had no slides talking about workflow and no lists of uh, <laughs> engines used or anything like that. Um, but he did, uh, it, was, it was great. There was a great, the best part about, about it was when I went to his, like the sort of post-talk part and he, uh, throughout the whole thing, he was using this example about the first time he played, um, I think it was like Tom Clancy's Ghosts, which is like a 16-year-old shooter game, like mm-hmm. a Tom Clancy game. Um, and the whole thing was about how his, like, the first time he played it, he was, you know, absolutely lost and so spent seven minutes just sort of cowering in fear under a bush and how that really mm-hmm. brought home the whole experience for him in a way that really stuck with him. Yeah. Uh, but the best moment was at afterwards when he was doing the, the like, the wrap-up, uh, someone came up and said, oh, by the way, uh, here's so-and-so. He was the head designer on Tom Clancy's Ghost. <laughs> and the guy, guy walked up and immediately, like, started talking about yeah, I really liked how realistic it was. I loved designing the gunplay with the snipers. And it's like, you clearly did not just sit through that talk. Yeah. You would not be talking mm-hmm. that way. <laughs> oh. You know, you mentioned like that you didn't feel very GDC to you, but like, cause you, in the first part of our GDC special, you talked about this open GL session you went to, which is right. very technical. Um, I've, I've definitely found that like it, there is stuff for everybody and like a huge range mm-hmm. of things. There's like, you know, sometimes it'll be the postmortems or like case studies. Other times it will be very like career focused or very sort of a, sort of like soft businessy advice. And then other times it'll just be like, you know, th- this is what I put into this function. And this uh-huh. is, you know, these are the bits that came out. Um, and I've, I've found that I've been going to less of the total technical <laughs> talks this year, but that's really what I wanted to go to. <laughs> Oh man, it sounds like some cool stuff's happening at Glitch. I know. Oh. So. <laughs> just ignore it. Just yeah, ignore it. We're having fun here. Player, but it's intense. <laughs> I want to know about the Snip, switch. Oh, sniffer clips. We're playing sniffer clips. Oh, that's what is that? Uh, that is a. It's a cooperative puzzle game. It's really. It's actually really good. Super fun. <laughs> but yeah, one of our our co developers on. 
flashlight flashbang. Is that what we were talking about? Was that the final name? I, I think Flashbang? Just flashbang? Okay, yeah. Know. The game we with the train jam did we did. Uh we <laughs> ran into him a little bit later, like today. Hmm. Um and he talked about he went to a, a series of micro talks uh that he said he said, Yeah, I went just went to this it was sort of a circle and everyone stood up and gave like a short talk. And some of them just read poems and some of them played us some music and then we did stretches. And I was like, that wow. sounds like my GDC. <laughs> yeah. I'm so bummed you didn't get to go do that. Cause it was like, somebody had set up this thing that was free outside on the, like the grass apparently oh, at the Yerba Buena gardens. Yeah, yeah. At the gardens. And like, you could have gone to that with your expo pass Dylan. So that's, that's oh, well, sad. But anyway, it sounds really good. And I think they've been doing it a couple for a couple of years. It sounded like so. Those little extra activities, and when mm-hmm. you miss them, yeah, it's like, oh man, like there was a Midwest meetup today that I didn't yeah, know about. Yeah, I totally missed that. And it's like, well, so it goes. But I mean, those are just the things we missed that we know we missed. Yeah. There's a lot we missed mm. that we don't even know about. <laughs> Maybe it's better that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, um, you know, in the first uh, half, we were talking about some of the things that we thought Stephen would like. And I've been thinking a lot about that, Stephen. Like every time I see something I think you'd be into, I'm like, I got to remember this so I can oh. tell Stephen. One I went to, which is about uh, game design tools. So basically Ooh. coming up with sort of a vocabulary um, and uh, a sort of taxonomy for game design concepts. And essentially, mm. essentially it's been a problem that has been attempted to be solved for like 30 years um, because yeah. it feels like something that should be solved, but no one's gotten close. That was essentially the thing that, that people come with software to do. Um, it's, 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 it's below prototyping. It's it basically just mm. one, one step above getting it on paper, but having it in a way that's classifiable, cross-referenceable, that kind of stuff. And um, the speaker uh, showed a couple of different examples and said what they might, what kind of games they might be good for. And then kind of ended, I mean, she even developed her own that she uh, sort of uh, played uh, a shout out and, and went on for much longer about what it's not good for than what it was. Um, that's, how hmm. you, that's how you know you can trust a speaker. Right, that's honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the end, it was just kind of this like, you know, this is a problem we all think we have, but we have nobody is, we've, no project has ever really properly used these kinds of tools because they don't really exist. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm framing it a little bit more negatively than it was, but like I found, I found that really fascinating. That the, just the hmm. pursuit of the solution is is it can help you even if you never find it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I've got yeah. links, I've got links and a bunch of stuff that I got. I have to bring to you, Stephen, because it's all really cool yeah. stuff. And uh, and it's exciting. I think that like when you ha- when you develop a game, you can come up with your own taxonomy that works for it that may never be reusable. But I think that mm. that kind of thinking I think can be really helpful. That's definitely something I want to approach in my next project, which is kind of, I think I want to be kind of puzzly. So I think I want, I think it should be well suited for uh, getting it all down first, rather than going straight to prototyping or straight to production, which is kind of how I normally do things. Um, but yeah, I thought a lot about you in that one, Stephen. <laughs> I, I well, I'm I, glad a little piece of me was there. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope I'm not making you feel bad. <laughs> uh, I also went to one uh, that was uh, much more like um, kind of everybody uh, uh, empathize with each other. This is a tough business kind of talk, which is about mm-hmm. ultra low budget indie games. So like when you have z- zero dollars, which is where a lot of us are, especially if you're working, really? ind- yeah. yeah, working independently. Yeah. Um, and the speaker, um, again, forgot his name. Uh, he's a developer from Israel, and his thing is he has the most ribbons on, on his... That's the thing he's famous for at GDC <laughs> every year, so Ava would really like him. Um, but uh, <laughs> I went to a roundtable that he did last year about you know making games for nothing, and, like, and it was so fascinating and interesting. And this year he did a talk that sort of summarized findings from the last couple of years of doing these roundtables. And it was like, I didn't walk away with a lot of like things to write down but it was just like it's just stuff that i needed to hear 
I think. So mm-hmm. I, I really like that. So again, just showing the, the range of things you can get just by, you know, picking the things that look interesting on a schedule. Yeah. That's cool. Well, what's been happening in Minnesota, Stephen? Yeah. Tell us about the Switch. Tell us about all the things. Okay. All the things. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, uh, I uh, woke up at 4.30 this morning. This is a really interesting story, I guess. Uh, I woke up at 4.30 this morning. I had no idea that my dad was interested in buying a Switch. Uh-huh. He had been kind of going like, oh, so what's this uh, new system coming out? <laughs> uh, so, it, it, so I woke up at 4.30 because I was ready to uh, sit in line and get my Switch. Uh, my dad was up at that time, and I was I was shocked. Um, it kind of <laughs> threw a wrench in my whole plan. <laughs> I like but, that you guys um, didn't talk to yes. each other about this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, we ended up uh, standing in line, and we got a switch. Uh, we had four switches between us. So uh, it was me, Adia, Char- my brother Charles, and uh, and my dad. Yeah. And so <laughs> we spent basically most of the day just. Uh, the rest of the day playing the Switch. You could have spent the rest um, of the day unboxing. <laughs> yeah, where's, where's the Nice have, Games Club unboxing, unboxing video? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that picture on Twitter. Yeah, uh, yeah we did. We saw. were all jealous. <laughs> it's like someone It's like someone dumped the delivery truck on top of a Dia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that picture so much. Okay. We'll have um, to share it on the Nice Games channel. Oh, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> we should. Um, but yeah, uh, so um, the games I have or I guess I just have Zelda, but my brother had Snipper Clips and uh, Bomberman, Super Bomberman R, and um, I can't remember the name of this racing game he's been playing for a while, but uh, all of those games are really cool. Uh, the Bomberman game is really fun. It's just a blast from past old school Bomberman. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I, when I saw it before, it didn't look nearly as appealing. I saw it on a stream. Uh, I think it was a Nintendo Treehouse stream. Uh, it didn't look nearly as cool as it did uh, while we were playing. It, it's really, it's a blast. Um, it's really hectic, especially with eight players. It's multiplayer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Oh, yeah, all the best bomb rants. Blow up your friends. That's, the- <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah, I played it for a bit on the show floor, and it was really fun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, Bomberman. Like, I'm getting back into the, 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 I played Wario Blast, which is a Bomberman game for Game Boy. Oh, yeah. That was the first one I ever played, and I love that series. Um, but yeah, I played it with a bunch of other people and we were all sort of trying to figure out these Joy-Cons because it, it was the first time all of us had held one, probably. And I won because the other three killed each other. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I sort of felt good about it. That's yeah, a classic Bomberman, I feel like. Yeah, it sort of is, yeah. I'm, I'm really I'm looking forward to that. It's like playing. There's a campaign mode and everything, right? Like a co-op yeah. campaign mode? Yeah, there is. We haven't really messed with the campaign mode, but it's extremely cheesy. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> not, in a, not in a bad way. Like, it's, it's hilarious how cheesy it is. Okay. I like that. Uh, Zelda is amazing. I mean, uh-huh. I could go on and on. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't played it yet. Uh, but like, it's ugh, it's just it's really there's just so much in that game. Yeah, there's so much in that game, and like, I haven't even scratched the surface. I, I, I've just finished the the first area. I spent about an hour outside of that. Uh, but like, oh, there's just it's just it's so massive. There's just so many things you can do. That's so, so awesome. <laughs> I want um, you to tell me all the things, but I guess I don't want to be spoiled. Like, yeah, I just can't wait I, a day and a half. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, oh, it's yeah. I I don't I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> so, but it, it lives um, up to your expectations. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> expectations. <laughs> um, and then um, I play. We play. We've been playing this surprisingly fun game called Snipper Clips. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's a cooperative uh, puzzle game. Uh, it's it's weird. So, like, everybody is uh, a body of, like, a weird built-in U shape, and you are able to, like, turn yourself around and snip other players to make their 
to change them into different shapes. You have to like sometimes you have to form uh, you have to like make a form of a, uh, a, a particular shape, like maybe a bird or something. Um, and then uh, sometimes you have to like carry a basketball into a basket. It's a whole bunch of different puzzles, uh, but it's really cool because like it, everybody works together and it's it's like a, it's it's hard, but most of the time not too hard. Sometimes it gets a little too hard, but <laughs> it's still it's still it's not even frustrating when it gets hard most of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's fun and it's it's pretty short too. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's a really cool one. Uh, I don't I don't know what uh, that racing game my brother's been playing. It's supposed to be like F Zero, but mm-hmm. uh, kind of like um, that you could like switch colors and you get different bonuses depending on what color you are. I think. Oh, uh, cool. He's been playing that for a while too, and he's been having a blast. There always seems to be uh, a, yeah. a, a a like F Zero game that just sort of comes yeah. and goes. And if you're not a F Zero super fan, you don't really it doesn't catch you. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we did we decided not to get one two switch. Uh, I heard that it wasn't that great, so we didn't invest in it. Oh, <laughs> what I'm, is that? I'm disappointed. Actually, it's okay. We'll pick it up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was hoping somebody else had uh, a one-two switch around, but they, uh-huh. there wasn't anybody else here who had it. <laughs> I, I would like to experience it at, at the very least, but now, yeah, I yeah. Was, I was what, we were hoping you'd take pictures of everybody playing and looking <laughs> silly. No, another there time. Wasn't a, there wasn't a ton of people, but everybody was having a good time. This, I think, there's a few pictures up on the. Uh, on Twitter somewhere. Cool. Nice. <laughs> yeah. What is the one two yeah. switch? Uh, but you have not oh, been paying. Oh, that's right, because you're you're not the Nintendo Super fan that Stephen and I are. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Well <laughs> fill her in, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> so one two switch. Okay, so the controllers are weird in that like you get two Joy-Con controllers that are attached that can be attached to the sides of the switch. The mm-hmm. switch is really small. Like think uh man, I don't how do I describe it? Think like a like a tablet but a little bit smaller than a tablet but with oh. controllers on the ends huh it's yeah it, it's cool um but anyways the, so these two controllers you can take them out um they have fancy hd rumble which is yeah. feel like a buzzword term but like it has it, it's your tone like, says it all yeah <laughs> <laughs> um it's apparently really realistic but anyways um so one two switch what you're supposed to do is really you're not there's not supposed to be anything on the screen that's relevant to you uh you're supposed to look at your opponent and like do certain mini games. So there's one mini game where like you're supposed to draw your gun before the other guy does and you shoot him. Um, and there's another mini game that's like a tumbler. Everybody or the two people are competing to break through a safe, and you can like feel um, how well you're doing in uh, while you're twisting the the controller around. It's a weird one. There's this other game that like you're trying to you hold a baby and you nurture it, but like you feel the baby move around in your hand because of the controller. That's Whoa. a weird one. Oh. Yeah, there's like 28 <laughs> mini games, and I think they only yeah. like publicized like six or seven of them. So yeah. like, there's a bunch of them that are like, I, I mean, I have no idea. It's apparently it was put together by some of the people who did uh, the WarioWare series. Oh, so it has some oh of that, cool! Some of that kind of DNA, although it doesn't look anything like a WarioWare game. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited to play it because it just seems like a like a pure party game, mm-hmm. even even more than like Wii Sports did, mm-hmm. right? Where Wii Sports was a video game, right? Where this just seems like a happy party time like it doesn't seem like a full video game and that's kind of what's nice about it actually cool yeah we just decided not to get it this time but maybe sometime down the line maybe next week or something we can grab it try it out It'll yeah be it, that'd be good how, around the office i know how does yeah. the, how does the ha- hardware feel like does it feel like super breakable or does it feel pretty hardy or how does the hardware, it most for the most part it feels pretty sturdy uh there's the little kickstand in the back of the switch uh that feels a little flimsy Mm. But otherwise, it, it's just fine. Uh, everything feels solid enough. 
and it's really easy to click it in and click it out. And it's so it's so cool when you plug the um, when you have the switch plugged in and you just take it out. It's like instant how quickly it switches from uh, TV to portable mode. It's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> so have you been mainly paying playing in TV mode or portable mode? Um, I've been flipping around, uh, mainly TV, I suppose, but mm-hmm. I've been flipping between the two. So in uh, Zelda, it, I've heard yeah. reports of frame rate issues. Have you noticed anything like that? Yeah, it it does it does slow down and it's pretty noticeable and I notice it so you know it's bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what I was kind of worried about. Like normally that stuff doesn't bother me, but if it's bad enough, like people are like having big warnings and stuff like that, yeah. that got me a little concerned. But not yeah. enough to interrupt like, the it, enjoyment. It's noticeable when it happens, but it's not super frequent. It I seemed more frequent in the beginning level or the beginning area you start in than in the later level so far. Mm. So, huh. but it's it it runs smoothly on uh on uh tablet mode. Okay, yeah, that's what I had been reading. Hmm. Interesting. I know that when I like there's they had a couple of of units on the on the expo floor and you could they had snipper clips and Bomberman and then they also had an area where they were showing off Unity Dev Tools with the Switch. Which is like oh. basically like a big tease. It's like, yeah, you're not getting your hands on this till next year, but you know, take a look <laughs> at how it goes. And you, you guys yeah. remember that? Like, I think it's, it was built with photogrammetry, but it was like a really high res apartment that was done in the in Unreal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was sort of meant to show off Unreal Four at a time when um, uh, Unreal still ha- hadn't quite broken through as a proper competitor mm-hmm. in Unity. I guess this was a couple years ago still. Um, but they were running that on the Switch, and it just looked incredible. Like it just looked so photorealistic. And it, you know, there's not, there's no gameplay logic, there's no physics, there's nothing in that in that demo. Uh, it just shows sort of pure graphical fidelity, and it's just really incredible. But um, with the demos, you pick it up, and you like, you can't really. There's like so many people around, and so I picked it up, felt it, I played that round of Bomberman, and then I was like, okay, I don't need, I'm not going to stick around. Like I'm not going to, you know, I, I'll go home and play my own. But the thing I couldn't help doing was just holding those things in my hand, and thinking like of all the things I wanted to do with it, right? All the games I wanted to make for it, like how my own game could be adapted for a single stick and four buttons. Um, I was thinking about how Fingence might play with it, which right. is, which is perfect. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah it really does seem like it would fit yeah. perfectly. Yeah. I was, I was talking to Zach Johnson and he um, met with a couple Nintendo people, just like you did, Mark, mm-hmm. just happened to meet with the same Nintendo people that he had met with at Indicade. Oh. And oh. they were, we're like, yeah, when we met with you at Indicade like a year ago, when you left the room, we were like, we have to tell them about the Switch. We can't tell them about the Switch, but we want to tell them about the Switch. Because <laughs> they're like, yeah, all the, those sort of multiplayer games, would, were, couch co-op games would work perfectly for the yeah. Switch. Yeah, when I met with, with Nintendo reps, that, that's the thing that when I asked them, like, what do, you, what do you want, what do you don't want? And they said, well, pretty much everything. And I'm like, what about like couch co-op? And they're like, oh, yeah, we really want that. <laughs> that's so interesting because, Martha, you were in a... I left talk the- that you left because of per- that particular reason. Yeah, because this. Oh, he was such a jerk. Oh, he no. was like, he was saying, uh, he was like, uh, he works for some sort of investor place, and they're like, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah. The minute anyone comes in with a couch co-op game, I just tell them, no, we're not funding you. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so okay, yeah. like you just missed out on so many games that I right. know are great. So yeah, so it's cool to see that Nintendo. Is saying yes, we want couch co-op. Couch co-op was good. Yeah. Couch co-op is king. Like well, I feel the, like the way they presented it to me was that like you know we 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 want anything and everything. We want the dev community to drive what is popular on the on Switch, mm-hmm. which I think that's just a safe thing to say if you're a platform uh, holder. But yeah. they, they're like, but really at Nintendo, we've always given weight to people who take what's unique about our platform and leverage it. 
Mm-hmm. And I think for the Switch particularly, that is two, four, eight player uh, couch co-op, couch competitive. Like that is something that, and the potential of the Switch is much greater than any of their past couple consoles to really deliver on that. And so the, the, the trend of like couch co-op games that is sort of, there's so many on Steam now, um, that trend, which maybe this investor was like, I've had enough of it now. I think that like, th- there's, there is a, there's a lot of devs who are like ready to take advantage of that. And, mm-hmm. and like, I uh-huh. definitely count myself among them. And like everyone that I know is among <laughs> yeah. that group of people who can really take advantage of, uh, of it. And apparently the development workflow is, is pretty easy. Um, I talked to one of their platform engineers who was saying that like, yeah, you know, on Wii U, you could, Unity worked okay. Like there was some kind of nonsense, but like people got by. But that with Switch, it's just like snap. Like it's just as much as pushing a button, which is something I hate just when like people the, say. It's just like the switch, the switch noise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's so encouraging just to hear what they're looking for and, and the, the attitude they have going forward. And I think you know the excitement about it from a consumer level is exciting as a developer. There's going to be an install base. You're going to know that you have your game on that platform. There's people who will who will want it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited about games that are coming out too. There's there's yeah. Mario Kart, Toon, that new uh, Mario or Super Mario Odyssey. Oh boy! I'm really hoping someone will announce Super Smash Brothers, but that doesn't happen yet. Oh, you, you were so heartbroken <laughs> when they didn't announce that in January, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm. A, I'm. I, was, I mean, I guess I want Mario sooner than later, but that's the one I was disappointed. Like, yeah, that, ho- that holiday. One, I'm like, oh. that almost yeah. made me like, yeah, it made me so mad to be like, really, you're gonna release a Nintendo console and then wait a year to put a Mario game on it? What is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, I think it makes up for all the Zelda fans. Like, I worked with my former coworker bought a Wii U for the new yeah. Zelda game and it didn't come out. And so <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> Well they could still get it. Just they had to wait two extra years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Nintendo is an is an interesting position because as a first party developer who has the super fans they do, I mean people like games Sony publishes, but not in the same way. They compete a lot harder with their own third party developers. And so um, I've heard them talk in the past about like scheduling their releases to make way for other people. And what happens is not other people don't always show up. So it ends up looking like deserts, you know, of, of release schedules. But um, with Mario Odyssey, I think there's a couple of interviews that said that it's pretty much done. They're just kind of there's some tweaking and stuff, but they're kind they're of just like sitting on it, you know, but as a, as a holiday release, it will sell better. So there's that. But it's like they yeah. kind of maybe should have waited till E3, but maybe people wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to handle it if they didn't announce a Mario game, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. There's a lot of, it's not just about when it's done, right? Like, I mean, we as indie mm-hmm. developers, it's like, when it's done, it's get out the door. Yeah. <laughs> it's already yeah. taking too long. But I suppose when you're, uh, when you're Nintendo, you can, you, you have other considerations. Well, yeah. When you're Nintendo, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see. I, yeah, I'm so excited. I, I just want to teleport home right now. <laughs> I think it's, I think mine's waiting in the mailbox. Like, <laughs> other things i did want to talk about but sessions i went to i did go this morning mm-hmm. to a uh, the flash games postmortem it was really interesting to hear him talk about just the 20 years of flash development and all the different portals and how the contention he had was that flash is what invented the indie like category it's it was what like everything we think of now like the sort of indie explosion after mobile and after like, sort of the widespread use of middleware that was all happening in the early 2000s the way it worked is that uh, games were sponsored so uh, developers would be auctioned like i have this game who wants to publish it and there would be fights like 
they, they would bid on who would publish a game. There was no, like, no one saying, like, maybe you should make it about, you know, like, Vikings or something. It was this weird freedom and a lot of unusual stuff. It was so, I mean, even the speaker was so bittersweet about it because he's like, there really isn't, it's the ubiquity that there's no platform that has that anymore. That, like, you can, you can get games anywhere and everywhere now, but, like, the ubiquity of Flash is what grew the sort of indie developer. And still, so it's amazing the, the economy that is just all but dried up now. Um, for almost no reason, I, I think there's you know there's lots of discussions about that. Just but, because Steve Jobs said, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get me started though because I will go for <laughs> so many dimensions to that. Really, there is, but it was it was great because it was just a nice little like I learned a lot more than I thought I would. Just information I didn't have about this history, which I felt I was fairly versed on, but really didn't know as much as I thought I did. So that was really fun, um, and everyone walked out a little sad. <laughs> Aww. you know but it, it ended with this call to action like that that those things that flash had not as a technology but as a community those are things that we should make sure that we do our best to keep going forward oh well yeah, yeah. Well, that was sad but the, the the day ended pretty good like uh, experimental games workshop it was two hours showing off interesting interesting kind of mechanics uh, let me see if i wrote any notes about it i don't think i did i it was so crowded that i sat outside of that on the floor oh they had a video right yeah it was so popular Oh, the oh, the one I really liked was the first one they did, which was uh, multi-ball. Did you see that? I well, I didn't learn about that they had a, a monitor outside. I just saw oh. the line and said saw it was closed. So I I left, and then when I talked to Zach about uh. Juggernauts, he was like, "Oh, they show it outside," and I was like, "What?" And so yeah. I ran back. <laughs> um, so I missed the first part of it. So so multi-ball is this really cool thing where um, it uh, uses the Mame arcade emulator, and they made a game which consists of three hundred. Uh, original games in a sort of a mixtape format where they would they'd use like um uh they would actually go to different uh address spaces in the memory of each of these games to find little moments uh a, a very warioware like which is just like hmm. score one goal and then as soon as you do it goes to a completely different game and uh it was just sort of jukebox mixtape remix of like classic games hmm. uh not just like console games but arcade games you've never heard of and then you, you and it's a two player competitive, each scenario, and you just have to do one thing. And you've probably never heard of it. And you don't know what the controls are. And they demoed it live. They had someone play through, a, two people play through a whole thing. And it was just so funny. It's a thing I could see people watching on Twitch for two hours. Like, it's really incredible. Or Twitch plays. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly right. And um, so the, at the end, they're like, oh, yeah, the, it's not, we can't make it commercially available. But I really hope that it becomes available for, uh, for demonstrations, for conventions. Uh, and for people to to do it on Twitch because it has like it has value in that sense. Commercially, I don't think it's viable, not just for copyright reasons, but for other reasons as well. Um, but it was yeah, it was super cool for sure. Cool. Yeah. And then the very last session of the day, micro postmortem. What went right? What went wrong? And it was a good way to end on. And uh, Christine Love was in that one. And the great thing was like, what went well? Smashing success. I just won an award for it. Everything was great. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of money. Acclaim. What went wrong? Literally everything. <laughs> just talked about how, like, a, what a disaster the project was and sort of ended by saying, you know, the advice you hear is like, oh, don't crunch. Don't hurt yourself. But her story was, yeah, we made all the right, wrong moves. And as a result, the game is better. But that's the worst advice I could give you. Please don't take it. And so it was this really interesting do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, it, it wasn't even that because because she, she also was not going to say don't do that. She's like, we did it; it worked. If you do it, it probably will work. Don't do it, but maybe do it. Like, <laughs> it was great. You know, you just 
file those experiences. Like you, and I've heard that story and that's going to inform my choices. It's not going to give me any directives, but I think that's some, maybe the best kind of advice, kind of like what Rami Ishmael was talking about in that session earlier in the week. Like don't take advice, like maybe take in advice. I don't know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was a good note to end on at least. <laughs> Cause yeah, we all just are trying to figure out what the hell to do next. Right. Yeah. Play some switch. Yeah, Stephen, <laughs> you obviously have more important things to take care of, so go do that. I, I kind of got to get back to Zelda. <laughs> uh, Martha, you and Dylan, you're heading on a flight in just a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, so you got to get going. I mean, there's a target room. like eight blocks away, just saying. Just check. <laughs> the problem is that I am, I probably shouldn't say this in public, but I have no way of checking how much money I have in my account right now. So I think that I'm okay and that I didn't over, like, you know, overspend what I had planned for GDC and I right. might have enough money to make a stupid decision, but I'm not 100% on that. Uh, so. See, that's why this needs to be a live show, because then we could just pull the audience. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, th- and then they would all tell you to do it. Exactly. Bad decisions justified by strangers. That's yeah. my favorite kind of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> that's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app. Be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. Especially if you're a new listener, if you met us at GDC, or you listen to us while traversing the open fields of Hyrule, we need to know that you're out there. So leave a review and tell all your friends too. We also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. Let us know how we're doing, send us your topics, and ask us your questions. Lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice hosts, as well as all the links and notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. So until we start again, back in the safe embrace of Minneapolis, remember to... Play nice. And make nice. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.